How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Eastminster Young Adults Podcast, a place where you can learn more about what it means to be a young adult Christian in times like these. You know, studies show that two of every three young adults have a challenging time finding Christian community. Eastminster Presbyterian Church seeks to create a community where you can be known, loved, and challenged without the fear of facing judgment. In doing so, we believe that the world will be a better place. So thanks for listening to the podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Pastor Joe, and I'm back here, like I've done the last few episodes, taking a look at one of these cards from the Best Self Co. These Rider Block cards, and so I've got all these cards. Once again, here's the you can this huge deck of like 100 cards. It helps you with writing prompts and introducing yourself to large groups of people. So I've just been picking one of them out, and it's a way for you guys to get to know me. And um, so I, let me just pick one here and see. All right. This one says, what are the three most important things that children should be taught in school? Um, well, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, right now at the time of this recording, we're, there's a debate going on in culture whether we're going to have school and what that's going to look like or not. And so um, obviously you've got like your standard subjects and stuff. So maybe something beyond there. I think uh, one thing that we should learn is empathy. Uh, empathy is the process of you know being able to imagine what another person's experience might be. Uh, it reminds me of this old rabbinical tale. Uh, one of the younger rabbi students was watching his rabbi sweat as he counseled with somebody. And after it was over, the young rabbi said to the older rabbi, why do you sweat so much whenever you're counseling with somebody? And he says, this is basically what the rabbi said, I'm in my clothes and in my life, but I try my best as I ask questions and listen to the other person's story to slip into their clothes, to slip into their life, and then to know what it's like, and then slip back into mine so that I can give them a perspective uh, from where I sit because they're looking for me to have a response for them. And so I go back and forth into their life and back into my life. And so I think that what a beautiful gift that is. And it's hard to learn. So I think the first thing is, is can we develop like empathy labs and we can grow in empathy. Um, I think another thing is resilience. I think at some point along the way, we've, we've got to learn to move on when things are tough and to keep at it and to try things that are difficult. I think there's a lot of options out there. And so what I see in my life and others is when we do something challenging and we, we fail at it right away, we tend to just move on to something else. And so I think it'd be great if we could have like a resilience lab, like if we could somehow reward resiliency and not just mastery over a class, but we can reward those who try something difficult. Like we, you know, they take tests and surveys and stuff and they find out these things are challenging. And so for those who don't shy away from, but actually jump into those challenging situations and try to learn their best, I think that'd be awesome. And I think a third thing, so empathy, resilience, I think just being a self-learner. I heard a great story of a young man who has started a lot of companies in his life. And the, perhaps the greatest one that he's started is a it's an app called Tally that helps people get out of debt. And how they do that is they actually reward you for making better purchasing decisions. You know, credit cards, they reward you with points when you swipe a lot, not knowing how much debt that you're racking up. Well, Tally is reversing that by 
rewarding you for a lower credit card bill uh, by not spending money and stuff. And so what a great thing. And he mine into his story a little bit. And he came from a single mother household where they didn't have a lot of money. But she did something cool. Like she would always ask him, what do you want to learn today? And she told her the story how he wanted to learn taxidermy. So they just called up the local taxidermy person. And for a whole week, this kid got to watch someone in a taxidermy business. And so this made this great impression upon him. He was able just to take a look at anything that's out there and try to figure it out, try to learn and try to master it. And so I think doing something like that would be kind of fun too, where we could be self-learners, not just waiting to be taught, but to take it upon ourselves to learn. So once again, empathy, resilience, and self-learning, I think would be three great things. How would you answer that question? What three things do you think children should learn in school? Maybe we could talk about it over coffee sometime. So I'll pick up another question on the next episode. Thanks for hearing me out. All right, friends, we're here in the first season of the podcast. We're just talking about basics. Uh, what are the basic building blocks of a young adult ministry? And young adult ministry that we're desiring is one that uh, adds meaning to people's life. Like we're not just doing churchy stuff, but we're actually adding meaning. That if a person, you know, if they could examine their life before they came into our midst and they spent some time with us, they would say from point A to point B, a ton more meaning has been added to their life. And this way of life needs to also be able to be mastered because folks normally don't jump into the middle of something unless they feel like from the outset that they'll be able to master that way of life. And so, uh, so far, if you look back in the previous episodes, we talked about something that we're going to do daily. And what I'm suggesting is a daily devotion book by Bob Goff. And I've got those copies of those. If you'd like to pick up one, they're only $5, which is just half the cost. That just helps replenish some of the funds for the ministry. So you can send me an email at jskillen at eastminster.org, and I'll get you a copy of that. And we can do that day by day together. And when we talk with one another and we meet together, we could talk about how we were inspired from the different devotions, the same one from the same days. Um, the second thing that we talk about are habits and we, how oftentimes people feel connected towards one another and how they grow in life is through a ritual of habits. And so we talked about five, uh, the acronym BELLS, bless others, eat with others, listen to the Spirit, learn the way of Jesus, and live as a sent person. These things that we can do every single week, we can plan them. And the challenge is that if we do these things that our life will grow exponentially, be like a rocket fuel for the Christian faith. We'll feel on mission for Jesus and we'll be growing in our faith way more than we can ever have asked or imagined because we're applying a certain set of habits that create growth in Christ-likeness in our life. Okay, so let's go on to the next building block, which is groups getting together. Um, what we find is that in ministry life, groups help build the church. Andy Stanley, uber famous mega church pastor, author says that life is better in circles than in rows. And what he means by that is that we, when we come to church, we sit in rows, rows of seats, rows of pews, and man, it's hard to get to know anybody. You shuffle during that greeting time, you know, before, after, in the middle of service. But really, to get to know one another, you've got to get out of the rows and into circles. Circles in family rooms, circles in diners, circles in the grass on a weekday morning, doing exercise together and then spending some time in fellowship and community. We, we grow when we get into circles of people and not just with rows of people. And this gets to a basic human need. Uh, scientists have discovered that when we walk into any room, 
without even thinking about it. It's like this operating software in our life. We tend to look for a lighted place in the room, a place where we can sit down because we get tired after a while. And then we also look for friendly faces. Now, we may not open up a conversation with those friendly faces, but we won't feel threatened if we're among friendly people or who we perceive to be friendly people. And so those are the things that we look for. So inside, in, intuitively, natively, we look for these things. We look to be put in groups of people. But sociologists have studied that different group sizes tend to collect in uh, different size groups and they tend to have different functions. So for instance, Sometimes we find ourselves in groups of people of a hundred or more, and we call these social spaces. So this might be a sporting event, might be a concert. I mean, these are things that we're not kind of doing right now, but we have tended to do those things. And so you're with people, but you kind of act differently in a social space. Uh, the next step down is a tribal space, uh, 25 to 75 people. And this is from primitive cultures to developed cultures. We tend to get into tribal spaces. So this might be like an exercise class. This could be a work community. This could be, um, you know, you're at a wedding reception and yeah, sure, you kind of sit at a table that you're assigned to, but at some point there's like a dance perhaps and so you're gathered with a larger group of people. This is a backyard barbecue. Uh, this is uh, maybe you're in a like running group or something like that and you, Saturday mornings as you're doing a half marathon training plan, you get and you do your nine mile run together and there could be like 20 to 30 of you. Yeah, you might run in pairs or in uh, triads, but there's like 25 of you like doing this thing together. So like the big Instagram picture is a travel space. The next step down is family spaces, which is four to 15 people. So the circle is getting smaller and maybe topics of conversation go a little deeper. Um, there are, you know, you probably know these people a whole lot longer than in social space and in tribal space. Um, but it doesn't get to the smallest space, which is the last one, which is intimate spaces, which is two to three people. And that's where like your heart is really exposed, um, where the, there's a fuzziness in your proximity between one another because you're not worried that someone gets too close where they would harm you. This is what happens in these intimate spaces. And so when we look at these, all all these spaces have different expectations. They have strengths and weaknesses to them. For instance, social space is fun because going to a concert or going to a sporting event, it's fun. We're, you tend to be sitting side by side, probably in a row with one another, and we're watching something together. And when our team does well or when they hit that power ballad song, you know, that cover that we all love, like we all celebrate together and like there's this big cheer and the crowd, like you feel like you're part of something that's like transcendent, right? But... In a social space, you and I probably won't like mention our deepest prayer need or our life's lingering frustration, will we? Like that'd just be weird. Like imagine being at a basketball game and then your friend turns to you and says, "Yeah, I just got I just got my fifth speeding ticket in the last three days, and I think my license has got like that'd just be kind of weird because um, we're watching a full court press, you know? Like it's just kind of a, it'd be out of place. Or uh, for instance, in a family space." It may, may not be the best place to invite a friend who is new to the group, right? That might be better in a travel space where there could be an ease of getting into smaller conversations and they can naturally find their niche among a larger group of people. And so inviting someone over for dinner when they're obviously going to be the object for observation <laughs> may not be the best way to get integrated into a group, right? And so this is important for us because groupings within the church life need to take into account what a group can actually manage. So here's the deal. 
all churches would suggest that they have groups. They have Sunday schools, they have life groups, small groups, mentoring groups. Uh, they've got like women's groups and men's groups. Um, and you know what, for the most part, these groups run along just fine because people don't have a uber high expectation. They would like to meet a few people at church. Uh, they would like to learn something spiritual, but also uh, know that they can send a funny meme that they have discovered in their Facebook timeline to somebody without being voted off the island, right? Like this is a craving that we all have. However, this is what I've found in my years of ministry and in being in the life of the church. The goal and aim of groups can be confusing. For instance, someone say we're going to do a study group, but not everybody is eager to study, right? Like you've been in one of those groups where you're reading a, a one chapter of a book and you talk about it every single week and some don't even read the assignment and they're the quiet ones and they kind of nod along and they don't want to be like outed as those who haven't read it, right? And so like a couple people who are really into the book are talking a lot and People start checking their watches after 30 minutes because, yeah, it's like a group, but are we studying? Are we supposed to like be connecting with one another? Um, or like, you know, maybe a group is like a fellowship group where they uh, are wanting to connect relationally, but sometimes these connect groups can feel like forced family fun where uh, we're like, man, we gotta like get, get, help people get to know one another right now. They gotta be best friends today. And so it almost seems forced and not the natural course of meeting with one another. Um, so I think some groups are confusing because uh, there seems to be this expectation that maybe we'll do mission together where we will, um, you know, go out and maybe uh, do a habitat build or we will do like a, some sort of a like soup kitchen once a month thing or like a clothes closet or we're going to help at this school help kids mentor with reading and you know some do and some don't and so we like we plan for all 10 of us to go but like four can't go because those four can't go two others won't go it's so like the two leaders of the group or the ones like with the bag in hand left with the bag in hand trying to pull off a mission that ultimately dwindles and then i think sometimes groups are confusing in their time limit i think some people say well i'll do this for like 10 weeks but I don't want to take a mortgage payment out because maybe my life is busier sometimes throughout the year and so on and so forth. And so sometimes people feel slighted because so-and-so is not showing up anymore. And so the expectations don't match up. And so we got to address these things. We're going to do group life in our midst. Um, and so right now, currently Eastminster has an array of group offerings. Um, obviously, we'll have more when social distancing needs are lifted completely, but we're going to do our best and we're trying to do innovative ways, whether it's Zoom or social distance in person in the building, or maybe we can go outside and do like a thing on the lawn if we need to. But we're trying to figure out, crack the code of how to do groups together. We do currently have a Sunday grow group that meets at the 10 o'clock hour from 10 to about 10.50 on Sunday mornings, it's gonna kick back up in August, and there's been an announcement from Wendy Stevens about what the next topic is going to be. And so if you're trying to find some sort of group, you could start there. Um, there's also some other small groups throughout the week, and they're ones that are, that are multi-generational, not just young adults. And so you can find a way to like a, a theme of a study, or there's uh, things for uh, different people throughout the week. And so you can like obviously send an email to one of us and we can get you located in a group. Um, every now and again, we have a guide that has all the different offerings and events and dates and times and costs and all that stuff so you can find yourself there. Um, among all this, I want to offer a new type of group that I want to see if there's any interest out in young adult land. Uh, it's one that has less confusion 
as a group offering, and it's called Three is Enough Groups. Now, this is not my idea. It's something that I picked up from Bishop Todd Hunter, who has uh, done many things in his ministry career, but one of them is to develop this new type of group that cuts away all the confusion, and it just gets right down to the basic building blocks of how to grow in our faith. So here is the, the makeup of a Three is Enough group. Three is Enough group, it's got to remember the number three. It's got three people in it. And each week, whenever these three people get together, they ask and answer three questions. And each person comes prepared to answer these three questions. Question number one is, what am I learning uh, during the week? Question number two is, how can um, I pray for you? So everybody shares a prayer request. And the third thing is, what am I going to do for the sake of another person within the next seven days? And so what I love about this group is it's got this great balance of this, uh, the life of discipleship in that we're learning something new. We're like, we're always seeking the face of Jesus. We're always sharing our burdens with one another because that is one uh, mark of discipleship. And the third thing is that we're acti- we're actually active in mission, that we're not just waiting for the Christian life to happen, but we're um, seeking out eagerly ways that we can serve one another. And so each week, the other two people in this group, they're going to be uh, waiting to hear how your initiatives are going. They're going to wait to hear an update on the prayer request. They're going to wait to hear what you're learning. And this is not like a scrutinizing, you know, before a board of judges. This is people who are on mission with you in Jesus. And these questions simply help steer the conversation. So what I love about this is, number one, it's clear. Number two, it's all discipleship. Anybody can do this. Number three, it's easy to multiply. So when new people are added to the group, there's not a lot that you have to learn. You just got to know that you're going to answer these three questions every single week. And what I love is that everyone leads. And this is the probably one of the first times that someone goes from being primarily a receiver of ministry to then giving in ministry where they are helping others. And so this is just the, the basic building blocks of how one affiliates and shares life with another Christian in the common Christian life. But also when we talk about groups, this reminds me of Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, where Jesus is teaching in a crowded house, and there's four friends who, they have another friend who's paralyzed, he's laying on a mat, and they know that Jesus can heal him, but the, the house where Jesus is teaching is so crowded that they can't get their friend to him. So they have to climb to the roof, you know, a very natural thing to consider. They go to the top of the roof, and they open up a hole in the ceiling right above Jesus where he's teaching in the house. And they lower their friend down. They kind of coordinate who's going to lower their corner and how they're going to mat. I mean, can you imagine the scene with me? And as they're lowered down, they lower him down. Jesus heals him. And he forgives him of his sin. And the faith of the community of the four friends are attributed to the man being made well. And I think that's just a, a vision for all of us. And it leaves me with two questions to consider and I hope that you would consider them as well. Who are you carrying to the lap and to the feet of Jesus? And the follow-up question, who is carrying you to the lap and to the feet of Jesus? And that's what groups are all about. And so I pray that you'd find yourself in a group. And if you'd like to be in one of these three enough groups, we're going to start launching them in the month of August. Send me an email at jskillen at eastminster.org. I begin to pair you with a couple of the people, and we can go through a short training so that you can begin to... uh, you know, meet with some other people and talk about your faith and to be encouraged and challenged in your faith. So that's all for this time. Next week, I'll have another installment of the basics in these building blocks of what we're going to do to build our young adult ministry. 
Hey guys, real quick, I wanna tell you about a small group opportunity, a grow group opportunity that's gonna be a short-term group that's gonna start on August the 17th. It's gonna be on Monday nights for 10 straight Mondays, and we're going to study the Enneagram. Yes, you probably have heard of the Enneagram. You may have been typed by one of your peers or at the office or something like that, and you might be asking yourself, what's this Enneagram thing all about? Or you might be those who are streaming everything Enneagram in your life because you're just an Enneagram enthusiast. Well, we'd like to get together and do it together as a group. And so what we'll have, at least at this point, you know, in the time of pandemic, we make plans and then we have to be flexible with those plans. But on Monday nights from 7 to 8.30 here at the church, starting August the 17th, we will go through the Enneagram. There's some teaching that we'll take in. There's a book that we'll read along with it. So if you'd like to sign up for that group, go ahead and send me an email at jskillen at eastminster.org so that we can begin to get a list together. A book cost is only going to be about $15. So $15 for the whole class. The Enneagram is going to help you connect with God, connect with others. It's going to help you develop in your personal life, in your professional life, in your social life. All those things. It's not perfect, but certainly is a good tool for our relationships and also our spiritual life. So I encourage you to join us as we study the Enneagram. So please shoot me an email so you can get on the list and join the group. Thanks. Hi, young adults. My name is Wendy Stevens, and I want to invite you to a grow group being offered this fall. Do you find yourself wondering how do we find and build relationships that are worthy? How do we celebrate being single, finding that forever someone and create genuine friendships? Through time studying God's vision for us and the relationship with him, we learn about our time on our own and with others. I hope you'll join myself and my husband, Jason, to explore what relationships should look like and how to reset the ones that are keeping you from the dreams you have about your own future while utilizing your single time to be personally fulfilled. We'll meet on Sundays at 930 starting August 13th in the parlor at Eastminster. We can't wait to build a relationship with you, connect with others looking for the same, along with some laughs and maybe some donuts too. Hey, before we go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating so that more people can be drawn to the podcast. We also have a Eastminster Young Adults Facebook page. If you'd like to be a part of that, please look for it and send a request so we can add you to the closed group so you can stay up to date on all the things that are going on in young adult life. Thanks. We'll see you next time.